Amen. Um, we uh, tonight it's interesting because I I really wasn't sure what I was going to do, and then as the afternoon proceeded, it was something that kept sitting on my heart, and and um, but then I got into the notes right before I got here, and uh, they just kept coming, and God kept giving them to me, and kept giving them to me, so. We might be starting a new series tonight, so I don't know. We'll see. It, uh, that would be good. But we're going to talk tonight about humility and grace. And uh, that's something that we need to know a lot about, not just a little bit about. But let, let's just turn to something. Let's turn to Proverbs 22 and verse 4. And Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the picture of who you are. Lord, we thank you that tonight we can get to know you better. And as we get to know you better, Lord, your ways are manifested in our lives more and better. And we praise you for that. We thank you for it. Lord, thank you that you've empowered us to be humble. Thank you, Lord, that you've empowered us then to move in your grace. Thank you, Father, that you didn't leave us where we were helpless, but you helped us. Lord, we praise you for that and we thank you for it. Thank you for the ability to be humble, the ability to move in humility, and the ability uh, to bring you honor in that. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So... There was a uh, uh, conversation that Priscilla and I had a few weeks ago, and um, Priscilla's helping with the kids this evening. And so the conversation basically went something like this. Priscilla, you need to change something. You know, Priscilla, you're doing this wrong, and it needs to be done right. Now, I don't do that often, and I definitely don't do it when it's not asked for a lot of times, uh, but as a good shepherd, my job is to uh, correct, rebuke, reprove, exhort. This is a job of a pastor, of a shepherd. And uh, because, why? So that the body can be built up. And so when, as we were talking, we've had these kind of conversations before, and I like doing that uh, with Priscilla because she receives correction. And she's humble enough to make change. And I was telling her, um, if, we got, if we have an idea of two different people, all right, kids have been, all the, all the markers were hooked together. So. All right, so if we have two people and one is humble, and then the other one is prideful. All right, now I probably should have somebody else draw, but if we have two people, one is humble and one is prideful, the humble one is very receiving. They're going to be receiving, but the prideful person is always pushing people away. It's pushing away correction, uh, it's pushing away people. Think about this, uh, there are several things that happen, and, and we'll get some more into it, but one of the things that I told her is, I really appreciate you being humble because by you being humble, the kingdom of God advances. And because the end result is, 
if I'm prideful and I'm and nobody can tell me anything and I'm prideful, is that something that you like or dislike? Something you dislike. So in essence, socially, am I pulling you in and drawing you in, or is that pride pushing you away? That pride is pushing you away. So if I'm doing that, first of all, that's pretty much anti-God. Uh, the second thing is, I'm taking the potential that I have. Everybody has a potential in Jesus. And if I'm prideful and I cannot receive instruction, then I'm taking the potential through Jesus Christ and I'm burying that. That means that I'm burying my talents. Now, the Lord was pleased with one servant and not pleased with the other. And the one that he was pleased with was the one who took what he had be it little or be it big, and he used it to multiply it, but he definitely didn't bury it. Okay, So a lot of times, here's what pride does. One of the, one of the effects of it is it buries potential. Pride buries potential. Humility multiplies potential. Okay, And, and you can see that. So here's the thing. I can't, I can't talk to this person and tell them, a prideful person, I can't talk to them and tell them anything. I can't help them grow. That means I can't shepherd them properly. That means this person is going to continue in that place until they change that attitude. Now the humble person, I can give to them. And I told her, I said, thank you for being humble, thank you for being teachable, because what the Lord will tell me is with a prideful person is to not say anything. So if you can just imagine that. Seth, will you come here for a second? Let's say that he's prideful, right? Man, I know. How did I ever do that? Let's say that Seth is prideful, right? And so here's the thing. If I'm a leader and I'm a pastor... And I can't, the Lord will say, don't say anything to him. Why? Because if he's prideful, what's he going to do with that teaching and instruction? Is he valuing wisdom or devaluing it when he's in pride? Devaluing that wisdom. So all that's going to do is basically put a divide between us if I try to teach him something because pride does that. So in other words... I can't help him out. So at this point, now, if I'm actually in love, then I'm still going to hang around him. But the world is not operating in love. And a lot of leaders, even in the church, they're not necessarily operating in love. And so what do they do with a prideful person? It's like, it was so nice to know you, love you, praying for you. Mean it. Just kidding. That's what most people are doing. And they're stepping away and stepping away and stepping away and stepping away. Now, here's the question. How much influence does a prideful person have? None. So, in other words, how much much ability do they have to go and make disciples? None. They don't have, their, their ability to advance the kingdom of God basically goes down to nothing until they open up. Now, until they open up to humility. Now, 
if I'm in love, then I'm going to put up with this pride until they have a need that that pride can't meet. Well, it's guaranteed to have a need before long because pride goes before fall. So there, but love is going to stick around and continue to be there. But are they going to get the cream of the crop time and everything? Probably not because you can't do anything with them. The Lord tells you to go and minister to those who will receive it. So if I spend all my time with a prideful person and didn't give any to a humble person, I'm actually not doing godliness either. So I can't sit here and spend all my time, but I still will hang around with a prideful person. Okay? Why? Because they're going to hit a bottom. They're going to hit a place where they need something, and that's where love takes over. But... In between now and the point where pride takes the fall, in between now and then, are they a blessing to the body of Christ or an irritation? <laughs> We're going to change it in a minute. It's, it's an irritation, isn't it? So here's the thing. If you're in irritation, you know, the, the word says this. It says, Lay off every weight that would hold you from running the race. And the question is, if a prideful person is in irritation, are they helping me run the race or are they a weight? So can you see how I can be very happy to talk to somebody who's humble but not somebody who's prideful? Because when that person finally wakes up to need and, and, and need... Uh, or realize their need for humility and starts walking in that, now I can actually sow. Now they're not in irritation because now the kingdom's advanced. Now I can spend quality time. Now I can, I can be around them because they're willing through humility to grow. Now I can sow into them. Now they actually start to produce. But it goes back to, are they prideful or humble? Are they walking in pride or humility? So it's a huge deal as to whether or not we are actually producing fruit based off of our level of humility or our level of pride. Now, here's the thing. The question is, and this is such a loaded question, if you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, Zero being prideful and ten being the most humble that you could possibly be, where would you rate yourself? And if you rate too humble, it's kind of like, well, is that not pride? <laughs> you know, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you better watch out what you, you want to be very honest with yourself. You see how taking an honest look at yourself in this area is very important. Thank you. So if you had to rate yourself, where would you rate yourself? <laughs> exactly. He said, how are you going to do that if you're already in, in delusion? That's exactly the point. Nah. In other words... You've got to take off, you have to take the deception goggles off 
the deception veil off so that you can actually start to see where you're at. And this is a good thing to look at. Because if I'm very prideful, I'm not doing anything for the kingdom of God. This is another uh, So let's say, let, let's put it like this. I'm completely jumping in my notes here. Let's say that you have 100% of your life, okay? Like uh, this. Let's just say this. Forget the humble and pride for a second. This is 100%. Of your life, okay? Now, let's, let's ask this question. If you consider doing good deeds in your life and doing things right versus doing the wrong things, being in sin, how much of your life would you give, what percentage would you give that I'm doing wrong versus the percentage of my life that I'm doing right? Would you say that I'm doing, you know, 20% sin, or that might be like 15, but Whew, that one's not doing too hot. 20% sin, and 80% good. Is that how you would rate yourself? But see, a lot of times what happens is they think most people think that they're doing about 80% good and about 20% bad, maybe. So what they'll do is say, say that this is the line of righteousness. They think that they're, you know, about 80% and below righteousness is about 20%. And this is the line that tells us if we're right or not. And then we have about 80% good. But the problem is, if you've got pride involved, then all of a sudden this can be totally off. Most people, what you find out is, most people is more like 50-50 or 80-20 or the other way. But how do you tell? Where are you at? And another way to look at it is, I'm just, I feel like I'm supposed to do this so that people will get this tonight. Let's say that you're on a ladder. This is the way I've always looked at it. Right up here is God. And what rung of the ladder are you on? If there's ten rungs, are you on the seventh, eighth, or ninth rung? Are you on rung one or two? Yeah. Where are you at? 
Because pride will say, oh yeah, I'm doing real good. I'm way up here. But humility will say, I'm probably not as high as I think I am. And see, what you're really asking is, how much do you know about God and how much do you not just know in your head, but how much do I have in my heart? That's what you're really asking. How much of God do I have in my heart? And all this comes back down to humility. Because, here's the thing, if, you're, if you think that you're here, but you're actually here at the bottom, you think you're on rung 7 or 8, but you're actually at rung 2, you're going to be doing things with a thought process that everything you do is pretty much right. But what's actually happening is everything is pretty much wrong. And you can't actually influence the kingdom, definitely aren't. Actually, you're being more of an irritation. You're being more of a hindrance and a weight to the running of the race. So, let me just put it this way. How important is it to figure this out? To take off that veil? But see, you can't take off the veil if you don't start in your heart going, how humble am I? Am I really right? And let me just show you this. If you take five years ago, five years ago, y'all speak Portuguese or Spanish? Portuguese? Okay. Um... So five years ago, where in your mind, let, let me ask it like this. Five years ago, you thought you were on one level. Maybe you just thought you were smart, right? Five years ago. Now looking back five years later, were you as smart as what you thought you were five years ago? Okay, well, let, let's continue this. Five years before that, were you as smart then as you thought you were? And five years before that, were you as smart as you thought you were? <laughs> I, I can tell you, when I first started going after the Lord as an adult, I really thought that I was operating at a 7 or an 8. I mean, I really thought I was here. And if you'd have asked me, I'd have told you. <laughs> I'd have told you. I, I really thought I was there. But I did something really smart. I gave my life over to the Lord to let Him dissect it and start showing me His ways and His will and, and here's what I ran into. I ran into him changing so much stuff in me so quick, I didn't think I could take it. There was so much wrong with me, I didn't think I could take it. And let me tell you this, I was raised in a Christian family with my dad was a pastor. I was raised with Jesus. I was raised with the Holy Spirit. I was raised with a loving father. And, and the Lord was changing so much stuff in me. I, I, at one point I looked back and I went, oh my gosh, I was just a heathen. I was just, I mean, just a straight up heathen. How in the world? And I was having to change so much stuff. I was shocked 
by how much stuff the Lord was bringing to me. And eventually I got to the place, and this is where the Lord had, had to start talking to me because I was getting discouraged after a few years of change this, change this, change this, change this, change this, change this, change this. I was like, good night, Lord. How I'm not even going to look the same. He's like, exactly. Exactly. Because I thought I was here, and what I came to find, come to find out was I was really like down here. My, I was not anywhere as close to God as what I thought I was. And you know what? What's really good after a while is for you to continuously, every few years, have these moments where you go, I feel like I'm just a baby in the kingdom of God. And you know what? When you start getting humble you'll start having thoughts like that. Yeah. Man, I, I thought I knew something. I don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. I just had one of those moments back in January. I told, I told Nicole, I said, I feel like a little kid. I feel like I don't... I said, I know that I, I know that on a curve compared to the uh, majority of people, I probably know more about the Lord and His ways than a lot of people do. I get that. I'm not ditching that. I'm not ditching what God has done in my life. It's amazing. I said, but when I compare myself to God, yeah. it looks totally different. Yeah. I'm just a kid. I, I, I barely know anything. Yeah. So, and, and here's one of the things that, that happens is, people start to rate themselves not with God at the top, but with people. And so what they do is they say, well, I'm better than him, and I'm better than her, and I'm better than her, so I must be up here. And all you're doing is rating yourself against corruption. In other words, the curve that you're using is already messed up. No wonder you're not getting anywhere because you're rating yourself on a broken curve. And so if people's here, here's the only problem. God is actually way up there. So who cares how many people you pass if you're not looking like God? Jesus is our curve. Jesus is our, uh, our point that we're after. He is the one whose image we should be made into. He's the one that we're growing up into. Is Jesus. Not better than you, or you, or you, or you. Who cares about that? Do we look like Jesus? Well, and that's where humility comes. So see, a lot of times what happens is people constantly looking at other people start to feel better about themselves. Mm, I, I'm, I'm better you know, here or there. And then all of a sudden, they forget. It's not people that I'm supposed to compare myself to. It's not people that are in the balance on the other side of me. It's Jesus. Jesus is my standard. Jesus is my example. Jesus is the image that I'm supposed to be in. And so they have this false uh, thinking that really has to deal with uh, the, the rating and standard of a corrupted people instead of Jesus, and all of a sudden that pride is elevated and they are repelling people instead of 
discipling people. Instead of bringing people in, they are repelling people because of their pride. So, here, let's look at this. Proverbs 22.4 says, The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Now just look at that. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord, or the reverence of the Lord, are riches, honor, and life. How many people want riches, honor, and life? Yeah. And you know what? God wants you to have that. Well, how do you get it? They are a reward of humility and reverence of God. Hey, Richard. They're a reward of that. So if we continue to walk by judging ourselves against other people and not against God, then we'll be walking in so much pride that we won't be walking in riches, honor, and life. And then when somebody needs life in them, we won't have any to give. Because we're walking in pride. We won't, we won't have an honor. We won't have the honor of God on us. Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 22, and 23 says this, An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. Now, the reason I left those in there is because an angry man a lot of times is a prideful man. You know, why are they angry? Because you have crossed something that they feel like they deserve. That's pride. You have taken away something that I feel like is mine. But humility says, what do I really deserve? What I really deserve, I don't want. Because what I really deserved without Jesus is hell. And I don't want that. So humility says, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> and and if, you, if you tick me off, well, hey, I'm still here, and I'm not going to hell, and I have Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. That's humility. A lot of times people that are angry, that's what they're dealing with. They're dealing with a pride that says, hey, I deserve better. This is my stuff. You didn't have anything without Jesus. You weren't worth anything without him. But now you're worth something. Hey, Rich. Now you're worth something. Why? Because he chose you. But it, he didn't choose you for your pride. <laughs> he chose you in spite of your pride so that you could learn to be more humble and be more like God and become worth something through Him. Proverbs 18, oh wait, excuse me, verse 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. A humble spirit will obtain honor. A humble spirit will obtain honor. Not woulda, coulda, shoulda, maybe it'll happen. No, this is a promise from God. A humble spirit, it will obtain honor. It will obtain honor. Proverbs 18, 
verse 10 through 12, says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall is in his own imagination. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty or prideful, but humility goes before honor. Now it's interesting that he uses these examples because it says, first of all, the name of the Lord, here's a promise to you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. You ought to be able to be in the midst of a problem and in humility understand that the name of the Lord itself is a strong tower. Jesus. And find strength in that. Humility does that. And then it says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. In other words, the righteous, let me put it this way, because what they're doing is they're putting together a protection and pride and humility. They're running these thoughts together. And let me show you what's happening here. He's saying, Lord, I can't do this without you. I can't protect myself. I need you. And so he says this, the righteous, the humble, will run to the Lord. And he will find protection. But what does he say that the holy person does in the next verse? It says, but a rich man's wealth is his strong city. And maybe his wealth is money, Maybe it's logic. Maybe it's some kind of talents. But it's a rich man's wealth that he runs to. He thinks that. And, and listen to what it says here. It says, and like a rich man's wealth is like a high wall, but in his own imagination. In other words, it's not really. He just thinks it is. In other words, he doesn't really have a high wall of protection. He's not really here. He just actually is here. He just thinks he is. And so how many people have you seen and they got plenty of money, plenty of everything, but their lives are a total wreck. And the reason is because they're putting all their trust pridefully in their stuff instead of humbly in God. And so they don't have any honor, they don't have any protection, they don't have any provision because they're putting all of their honor in pride in stuff. They're putting all of their, uh, they're making stuff their source. They're making maybe wisdom, logic, their source. They're making their comfort their source. They're, they're making their job their source. And here's what the Lord has to say about that. That's pride. That's not humility. That's pride. Humility is saying, whoo boy, I can't do this without you, Father. <laughs> there is no way. I can't live a God kind of life without you. I can't live in a, a Zoe kind of life, a God kind of life. I can't live it without you. It's not possible. It's not going to happen. I got to have you. That's humility. And that's, and that's not saying, you know, because could you be successful in this world 
Does anybody, do people have potential in this world to be successful without God? Well, in worldly terms, yes. But the problem is, they're basing everything on things that are temporary, or temporal, and not eternal. And all it takes is one turn in the market, in their health, and all of a sudden, they've fallen, and there's no support left for them. We've seen that story repeat itself throughout history where somebody thinks they have it all and all of a sudden, you know, they switch and there's nothing there. Yeah, and I'm just, I have a thought that's coming to me right now and now she's getting stuff back on track. But I can remember like when Britney Spears, I mean, she was on top of the entertainment world. And then all of a sudden, but she was basing all of that on temporary things and all of a sudden I mean she's you know shaving her head and doing all kinds of crazy stuff Miley Cyrus is doing some of that stuff right now I mean just like falling off the cuckoo truck and hit I mean just really she has been messed up and here's the thing why because she's putting right now she is coming out against her um her religious conservative uh short-sighted parents that's what kind of stuff that she's doing and and what is but what is it that she's really putting her trust in all of the world stuff and logic and everything else that's not a good place to be it's not where god wants her to be any god wants her to come right out of that just all and all it takes is being humble but right now, as I know more than everybody, I know what I should be doing. You can't tell me and, and really cannot see how much ruin she's bringing to her life at this point. My heart goes out. I just I want to lift her up. I want her to have redemption and, and restoration. But that's not just going to happen without her making a switch in her head to be humble or anybody else. But that means we've got to start taking an honest look at ourselves and say, you know what, if I'm going to be in honor, I've got to judge myself correctly. I can't judge based on what the world and temporal things have. I've got to judge myself on things that are eternal, on the things of God, on the things that will last, spiritual things. You know, when you meet people, uh-oh, when you meet people, a lot of times what they will do is they will sell you their best face, right? A lot of times when people walk in the door of the church, they're constantly trying to tell you all the good about them. Or they're trying, they don't want you to see the bad, and, and, and here's part of the reason why, because they don't want you to think less of them, right? They want to have a good reputation. They want to show you how valuable they are. They want to talk about how high up the ladder they are, but not how far down the ladder they are. And they sell you their best face. And listen to this, they don't want to show you their weaknesses because they have made their reputation, not God, their source. They don't want you to see weaknesses because then... I might not get what I'm after. 
Well, what are you after? Well, I don't know, but I know that I need to have a good reputation for it. And in other words, what they've done is they've tried to, they've tried to make their good side their source instead of God. Humility says, hey, you know, humility, uh, pride would stand up here as a pastor and say, I've got all this stuff together, y'all just listen to me and we'll go places, okay? That's what pride would say. <laughs> but humility says, I don't have everything together. I'm still working on me. Maybe I know more than you. Maybe I don't. Who cares? We're in this together and we're going towards God, but we're going to do it in humility, not in pride. I will make mistakes. I will tell you wrong things. My job is not to tell you... Uh, um, is not to I'm trying to figure out how to word this exactly right. Uh, yeah, my job is not to be God to you. My job is to point you to God. You see, if I try to be God to you. You and I both are going to get messed up in that process. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not anointed to be God. Now I am anointed to be like Him. I can be more like Him than you probably think I can be. I have potential. But that takes humility. That takes backing off of the pride and being humble. I have potential to do that. And my job is to point you to the things of God, but I am not God Himself. He alone is that. And He doesn't need me to be God. <laughs> he's God all by Himself. With or without me, He's God. No. He's it. My job is to point you to Him. In the process... I, here's the thing, a lot of people will stand up and they'll be like, they don't like being wrong. But there's a problem with that. Who in here knows everything that there is about God? If you don't know everything there is about God, then guess what? You're wrong in some stuff. <laughs> you don't know everything. And so let's just all get together right now. Let's not make our reputation our source and let's get to the place where we can say, you know what, I don't have everything. Because the person that comes across and says, I do have all the answers and I have all that, they're messed up. <laughs> they're messed up. And they'll mess you up. You want somebody that is willing to humble themselves before God. You know why? Because God will honor that person and he'll honor you for being around that person. That kind of person will bring in the honor of God. And first Samuel or second Samuel um, I think it's first Samuel chapter two, verse thirty said, Those who honor God, those who honor me. I will honor. But those who despise me will be lightly esteemed or lightly honored. 
Well, I want the honor of God because it's just not fair in the first place. I can give him all the honor all my life, but when he chooses just to touch me with the touch of his honor, it blows all my efforts out of the water. So it's not a fair return. It's like I give you my honor, and God's like, okay, now you get a little bit of honor. Boom. And I go, boom. You know, and, and the just blessings overflow because. God's honor versus your honor, it just doesn't compare. It's not a fair trade, and you come out in a, in a better way. You're bringing less to God than he's bringing to you. He's bringing a lot more. So when God says, those who honor me, I will honor, I see that as a good deal. That's a good investment. I can say, man, I need to invest some honor in God because when he turns around and honors me, it's just no comparison. What a great investment that is. What a great promise that God's made us in His Word. You want to talk about worldly logic? If they just got that point and they moved on eternal spiritual things of God honoring them, all of a sudden they'd be walking in places they only dreamt of. But it has to do with us humbling ourselves to say, Lord, I can't do this without you. So a lot of people, you know, they sow their best faith. They sell their best face. They don't want to show their weaknesses because they have made their reputation their source and not God. And so if they do something wrong, they don't want to tell you about it. They don't want to do that. And they're scared of what you might do. Well, they might not let me uh, pass out Bibles anymore. They might not let me hand out water anymore. Because, well, you know what? Here's the thing. A proper pastor... A proper pastor, he knows you got problems before you ever walk in the door. Otherwise, why would he be here? <laughs> he knows you're not operating but on rung one or two on the ladder. You know, he knows that. There's no reason. In other words, when you start trying to hide stuff, it just shows a lack of humility and a lack of honor in you. And what you do by trying to hide that stuff is just knock it on down. You actually knock yourself down the ladder. We don't, we don't have to. We don't have to sit there and put on a face when you have somebody that's in love. Now, I'm not saying that you know, uh, Marissa should go around and just tell everybody all her business. Now, that's not what I'm saying. You don't do that. But there is a power in confession and part of the reason why there's a power in confession is because it moves you into humility yes sir here let let them hear so they can hear on the video uh, i i i want to mention that you know we come to church because we are sinners, because we are wrong. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need to be here. There'd be no reason for it, would there? would be no reason for it, and because we yeah. are sinners, and because we are Im immensely wrong, and we don't deserve heaven, no way. Yeah. But I desire that so, and I must humble myself. And yes. uh, they say, that's why we come to church here, because we are sinners, we, we, we are wrong, and... And it includes the pastor, too. I mean, yeah. that's why he's here, to bring God to us. And uh, We and need that, him, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, that, that's the whole reason why, if you're not here to change, then what's the point? 
if you're not here to grow on this, then what's the point? If, if I think that I'm here and I'm only here just to pass out my rung 8, rung 7, rung 8 stuff, well, whoop-de-doo. Who cares? I'm moving in pride. I'm not moving in love. So the truth of the matter is, if it benefits you, it's just going to be temporary. You see, if we're not here, including myself, to change and grow, then we're not being humble. The whole point of church is for us to grow into the image of Christ. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, to help build up to the full stature of the measure of Christ. Not to you know, grow up to the full stature of Pastor Brian. Grow up to the full stature of Christ. I may be a good goal for some of you to you know, grow to. And that's good. I should set the example. I should. That's, as my role, that, I should set the example. But you're not trying to grow and be just like me. You're trying to be like me as I am like Christ. That's what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. James chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. He says, Is there anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, You need to see that as a promise from God, not as a maybe. The prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. A lot of times you'll see that sins and healing, they go hand in hand because they're a full package of God. Uh, Matthew 8, um, I think it's, 8.15 8.15 or 8.17, it talks about on that tree, he bore our sins and our sicknesses or our sins and our infirmities on that tree. In other words, he didn't bear just one or the other. He, he bore them both. He took the weight of sin and the weight of our, of our sicknesses. Now it says, so in other words, let me just throw this at you. If you're born again, you ought to be healed too. That's what he's, The whole point was to bring you a fullness of life, not just a, a piece of it and not just a beginning of it, the fullness of it. That's what he paid. Now, we've been taught, a lot of us have been taught that that's not the case, and so we believe that, and that became what we had faith in. That it was, we could be born again, but maybe not healed. Because we've been taught that, that's what we start to believe in. But really, when we look at the Word and the fullness of the Word, it shows us that we should have both. We should be walking in the fullness of salvation in every area. Restoration, protection, provision, healing, deliverance. All of these things and eternal life. All of these things and knowledge and intimate knowledge and fellowship with Him. That's what Jesus bought us with his blood, was not just the heaven, but the full package of God. Now it says here, now watch, he says, the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. 
And if he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Then it says, therefore. So in other words, because of this, let me show you something is what he's saying. Because of this, let's see why he said therefore. He said, because God has paid the price in Jesus for your sins and your sicknesses, he says, do this, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, the point in this is that confession of sins is a very powerful thing. Now, I'll go back and say he doesn't want you, you know, to go and tell everybody all your business. That's not what it's saying. But when you have somebody that loves on you that already knows what rung of the ladder you came in the door with, you're not going to be surprising them, and they're going to love on you anyway. They chose to love on you simply by being there and being ready to receive you. All of a sudden, that kind of person that will put up with your stuff and continue to love on you, the one that will love on you while you're still prideful and still hang around and not just run away from you, that kind of person, you're not going to surprise them by confessing your stuff and telling them your sins. They're going to be like, well, praise God, now that you've told me about it, we can deal with it. Let's help get you cleaned up. Let's get you moved up. Let's step up to another level. But I want you to see that part of what he's saying here is people don't have healing and they don't have the fullness of God because they don't confess stuff. And what he's not saying is not just confession. What he's really saying is people don't have the fullness of God because they are not humble enough to let some of that stuff out. They're not humble enough to go to somebody that loves them and say, I'm a mess. I need help. They're too prideful to step up and say, I got issues, I got problems. Because they've made their reputation, their source, more than God. Humility will say, Lord, you've set up some stuff, and I want to trust you in that. And in order for me to trust you in what you've told me to do, to confess things, in order for me to actually trust you, and actually put my faith out there that I can't do this without you, I'm going to have to do some things that may cost me in my head, in worldly logic, my reputation. But you, Father, are more important than my reputation. God will heal and make your name great. He will honor you as you honor Him. But what we've been doing is putting our reputation above God. We've been putting our pride above humility. And for that reason, what he's saying right here is, you don't have the fullness of God because you won't get humble. You won't get humble. You won't confess your stuff. You won't, you won't back up and say, hey, I got problems, I got issues, and I need help. You want to say, I've got it all under control. And everybody knows you don't. If everybody knows it already, you might as well tell it to somebody who loves you that will help you walk through the stuff. That's what humility does. And there is a power in humility. Last couple of verses is Hebrews uh, 13, 17. Go ahead, Tara. 
Yeah, go back to the confess uh, scripture. Uh, what I was thinking was, so when we don't confess our sins to one another, right? Were there then guilt and condemnation is on us, and that's yep. in a prideful state, right? It's that part of the pride. Yes. Because then, then we live in that guilt and condemnation. Yes. And then, okay. Yeah. So if if you didn't hear everything she said, basically she's saying by keeping that guilt and condemnation, we're staying in that prideful state. And that's true because we're not willing to fully release it because we're not willing to humble ourselves and confess those things. Now, I'm not asking you to come tell me every time you thought uh, you know, a bad word on that driver that, that you know, told you you were number one on the road. You don't have to come tell me all of that stuff. God's your source, not me. But there's a time when the Holy Spirit will convict your heart and say, you need to tell Pastor Brian this. You need to tell Pastor Nicole this. You need to tell somebody that will love you and help you walk through this stuff. You need to tell him. And the reason he's doing that is because he's opening up you so that we can move from here, from pride, to humility so that we can go from being on the bottom rung to the second, third, fourth, fifth rung. And as we continue this journey, we continue growing more and more like Christ. This verse here is Hebrews thirteen seventeen. And it says this, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who, who will give an account. Let them do this with joy. Let your leaders keep watch over you with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. Now, I know some people think it's, it's holy to do the exact opposite of this verse. I'm going to call pastor so many problems, I'm going to make him pray all the time, keep him humble. That's the way some people, I think, sometimes think. Pastor, let me tell you about a problem. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. They're not making my life a joy. (laughs) There's people that do that. But our job as believers is that we should... Submit to leaders that are actual leaders. Now see, and I get that because there's, there's some people in the body of Christ today that are really scared of doing that because they've had a leader in the past that really wasn't a leader. They've had a leader in the past that really wasn't loving on them. And if you brought your junk to them, they'd tell you how ungodly you were and how you're just the devil and this and that and everything else. And so they're scared to bring it. They think every leader now is like that, and, and we're not. Yeah. If you watch a leader and you see them moving in love, and they see you mess, and they love on you anyway, that's probably somebody that's okay. That's probably somebody that's ordained by God to be there, and that's who you want to hang around. Somebody that will not run from this doesn't mean it doesn't irritate them. It will irritate them. But somebody who doesn't run from it, but somebody that'll be there. No matter how many times, how many times you stick them, how many times you're the thorn in their side, no matter how many times that happens, they'll love on you, they'll love on you again, they'll love on you again. You know why? Because that's the example of God. How many times have you been the thorn in God's side by all your actions and thoughts? 
He's the example. And that's the example for leaders is to be that. To be the kind of person that no matter how many times somebody sticks you, you continue to love on them. That doesn't mean that you keep on sticking. God's not going to tell them to tell you to shut up or something. I mean, they will. He will. You've got to remember, love was the same one that died on the cross, was the same one who fashioned a whip and beat him out of the temple. So there's some correction that comes along too. And one thing you don't want to mess with is somebody who actually is in love moving in the authority of God. Because that's not a good place. And this verse is very important because it says, look, listen, obey your leaders. Submit to them. And I'll throw in leaders that are actually leaders. Submit to them. For they keep watch over your soul. They help keep your mind and will and emotions in check. And they'll give an account. In other words, if I'm really a leader of God, I'm going to give an account for how I ministered to you. And I'm responsible for that. There's another verse that we'll look at here uh, sometime in this. But it says, don't, don't have a bunch of teachers. Because they're, on the, they, they're held to a stricter standard. In other words, there's some places they want everybody to be a teacher. That's not correct either. Everybody should be uh, make disciples. But it's, there's difference between operating in certain offices. You shouldn't try to operate in an office that God hasn't designed you for, anointed you for. But we'll have to give an account. And let, a, let them have joy on your account. Let them have joy because you've honored them and submitted to them as a, as a leader. You've humbled yourself, not just to the leader, but to God. Because you want to bring them joy and not grief. Why? Because not only is it profitable to you, it's profitable to the leader, and it's profitable to God. So doing this goes back to, if you're going to have me and joy, one of the best things that you can do to produce joy in me is be humble. To be humble. Don't think that you're here on the first or second rung. I mean on the seventh or eighth rung when you're actually here. Look at your life. I didn't say this. Uh, earlier but this was really the point I was getting to if you look back five years ago were you as smart as you thought you were and you look back five years before that were you as smart as you thought you were and the answer is always no so you should pretty much take that as a standard and think you know how smart I think I am right now I ain't I'm not as smart as I think I am right now I'm not quite as I'm not as holy as I think I am right now I'm not as powerful as I think I am right now. You know why? Because you have a flesh to contend with. You have a corrupted flesh. I know your heart wants to be holy. Your heart wants to be powerful. Your heart wants to be anointed. But you still have a flesh. And you have power over that flesh, but that flesh is always going to war against all of those things. It's always going to be dragging down. That's why we need to humble ourselves, because the more we humble ourselves, the less weight this flesh has, the less hooks it has in my ability to run the race and slow me down. Humility is key. And what we'll get into is there's grace and great grace that happens as we humble ourselves before God.
So tonight as we wrap up, you may have some stuff in you and be going, golly, I just need, I need humility. I think what the Lord's doing right now is He's just opening up your eyes to say, there's a possibility that I'm not as good as I, think I, as I thought I was. There's a possibility that I'm not as great as what I had in my mind. And that's okay. The truth of the matter is, what I was showing you right here is, if somebody thinks that they're 80% good and 20% bad, but they're actually 20% good and 80% bad, that person has no room to grow until they get humble. This person can't move because they don't think they need to change. And so because they don't think that they need to change, they're just being an irritation to everybody, and that person cannot grow because of that pride. So I think what the Lord's doing is He's just showing you, is it possible, my children, is it just ever so possible that you're not as good as what you think you are? Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, I, we're probably not even close. But, through Christ, He will lead us to the places where we can be the best right. that we can possibly be. Amen. Through Christ, He will always lead us to triumph so that we can grow. But see, it's not dependent on you, your reputation, and how good you actually are without Him. It's dependent upon how good you are with Jesus. And you can't be good with Him without moving in humility. You've got to put on humility. So that takes us taking away that veil like Todd was talking about, taking away that veil of deception and saying, yep, i got some room to grow. And we all do. And that's okay. I'd much rather have people around me that say they have room to grow than ones that say they don't. Because the ones that say they don't, they're just lying, they're prideful, and it'll take me ten times longer to get anything across to them and get them producing anything than somebody they'll say, yep, I need to change. <laughs> I messed it up. I got room to grow. Lord, I just ask that our eyes of understanding would be in, opened and enlightened. And we would see clearly what in you is right and what in you, uh, what in you that we're missing, the things we're doing right, the things we're doing wrong. Lord, open up our eyes and let us have your strength so that we can move into the fullness of Christ instead of just dipping our toe in the things of the Lord. We can jump all in. Father, we praise You and we love You and we thank You that You have empowered us to humility. That You've empowered us to break free from pride and step into the power of Your grace through humility. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Have a great night.